You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we are back with another episode of Locked on Ravens. I'm your host, Kevin Ostreicher of Ravens Wire. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Pepsi made for football watching. And we return. It is our midweek edition here on Wednesday of Locked on Ravens. Kevin Ostriker here with you. And unfortunately, Cole Jackson just keeps ducking me and doesn't want to come on the podcast. No, I'm just kidding. He had something pop up last minute. It happens. And Cole did say, this is a message from Cole Jackson, that with Ontario being locked down and with Christmas out of the way next week, he is back in business for the show. So luckily, we will be able to have him back next week. But I know I keep saying... Oh, Cole Jackson's going to be back, and then it's just me. So I do want to say the message from Cole Jackson himself is that he will be back next week. But for this week, I will still be answering questions. That is my job here on Locked on Ravens. I enjoy that part of my job here on Locked on Ravens. And we got a lot of good questions now. We got a bunch of questions from a lot of different people, but we do have people asking more than one question, which is something I have encouraged throughout my entire time here on this show, because I love, if you have multiple thoughts, I love answering all of those thoughts and diving into those. So a big contributor to the show and Eric Clark asked us a bunch of good questions, and we also have a few questions from a bunch of other people. So we're going to dive right into those. Our mailbag will take up three segments today, so we'll jump in, but before we do that, be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere there's a podcast where they're waiting for you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Eastern Time. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnRavens and my personal account at KOSTRIKER34 for any Ravens news, analysis, stats, advanced stats, live tweets, updates, and more about the Baltimore Ravens. So with all that being said, we're going to jump right in here and let's dive in to that mailbag. And we'll start off here with some questions from Chris Francis. And Chris asked us a few good questions, so we're going to jump into all of those here in this first segment. So this first segment is brought to you by Chris Francis and his questions. So our first question here from Chris is, with the Ravens heating up in momentum and finding their chemistry with offense and defense, which teams do you want to avoid in the playoffs, assuming we make the playoffs? Chris, this is a good question because it seems like every year there are always those teams that you're kind of hoping you play and then teams who you're hoping you don't play. I'm sure Baltimore feels that way. And as fans, analysts, whatnot, I'm sure everybody has those teams that they feel comfortable with their team playing and others who not so much. It's more of, ooh, I want to stay away from those. So in my personal opinion, I'll start with the teams I do want to play. I would love to play the Pittsburgh Steelers again. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are absolutely free-falling right now. They've lost three consecutive games at the time of this recording. Hopefully, it does not get to five because the Ravens' path of the playoffs actually depends a, a good amount on the Steelers if teams like the Raiders or the Jets can't come through for the Ravens. So... What I think is the Steelers, once they get to the playoffs, I think this is honestly a one-and-done team, the way they've been playing recently. Maybe they can find their footing in these last two games, but the Steelers, I would love to play them. I also think the Ravens got the bad end of the stick against the Tennessee Titans. I think if they match up again, the Ravens would win that game. 
Uh, no Calais Campbell really hurt them in that one. I think that was a huge, huge factor. The run defense suffered because of it. And when you play the Tennessee Titans, I mean, you need some run defense with Derrick Henry in there. And it was just, it was just the perfect storm for Baltimore. The offense stopped scoring points. The defense started to get tired and collapsed. And that all combined was why the Ravens blew that lead and ended up losing the game. So I think with another shot against the Titans, they would be able to win that game. If the Ravens ever had to play one of the wildcard teams, the Browns for one, the Colts, or even a team like the Dolphins, I think that they would win that game. But again, the Ravens can go no higher than five in the playoff seating. So to play a wildcard team, that would have to wait till the AFC Championship game, assuming the top two higher seeds lose there. So with all that being said, right, I have the Steelers, the Titans, the wildcard teams, who are the teams I don't want to face? I don't want to face the Chiefs, and I don't want to face the Bills. Now, obviously, the AFC runs through Kansas City. That is just the reality of the situation. Baltimore has struggled with Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes had his most efficient game of the 2020 season against Baltimore in Week 3. It just seems like the Chiefs are the Ravens' kryptonite, and I don't know if that changes based off of the injuries that Baltimore has had. Now, if this team picks it up, if they can continue to build momentum, as you mentioned, Chris, that could be a huge factor into maybe dethroning the Chiefs. But as they've played against the Chiefs in the last couple of years, it has not been great football. They've had a couple close games with them, but they, they just have not been able to pull it out. So maybe the Ravens can expose those weaknesses if they get hot, if they continue to be on that roll. That could be a factor. And then Buffalo, Buffalo's just a sneaky good team. Josh Allen is playing at an MVP candidate type pace right now. The defense is, I think, severely underrated. They haven't performed up to their 2019 performance, but I think that they still are a very good team. They have Devin Singletary in the backfield who gave the Ravens fits last season on those outside run concepts. Stephon Diggs is their new big receiver acquisition. He's been great. And their offensive line is also really solid. So the Bills are a team that I think would give the Ravens a little bit of trouble. I'm not saying they'd lose that game, but I prefer to avoid the Bills if all possible. Another question from Chris here. Greg Roman seems to be thinking a little more creatively. How would you like to see more Wildcat plays with Lamar and Huntley? This is an interesting point, Chris. The Ravens, they have been thinking more creatively. I think Greg Roman is kind of picking that up as the season progresses, and he has been picking that up as the season progresses. For the Ravens, I'm not necessarily sure that Huntley is even a guy who's active over the next couple weeks, but assuming he is, let's say that Huntley is the guy the Ravens decide to roll with, we saw something like the Heisman package last season, and we saw them run a play or two out of that. And that could be something where the Ravens utilize that play again, because we haven't seen two quarterbacks on the field in that capacity where they have the quarterbacks lined up in the backfield together. So when you look at it, Baltimore is, you know, experimenting right now. They're doing flea flickers and they're doing a bunch of other stuff. And that is really good for their offense. It opens up the offense. It keeps defenses guessing. With Lamar and Huntley, I'm not saying that the Ravens are going to run a play like that. I think it's a good idea. But at the end of the day, Baltimore might be on kind of the playing field is we're not going to activate Huntley. We want to keep him kind of on the down low, like what Lamar Jackson was saying. But certainly Huntley showed a lot of promise on the field on Sunday against Jacksonville. He has electric athletic ability. He has a pretty good arm as well. And I think that the Ravens could honestly go with a tandem of Lamar Jackson, Trace McSorley, and Tyler Huntley next season as the quarterbacks. I personally don't think Robert Griffin III returns. But there is a possibility the Ravens might go out there and try that wildcat formation with Lamar Jackson and Tyler Huntley, and it would be quite dangerous. 
Our last question from Chris here before we head into our first break is, even though it was only one reception, do you think 88 is going to start getting more snaps and targets? And so 88 is obviously referring here to Des Bryant. He scored a touchdown, his first since 2017, in the game against Jacksonville on Sunday. And that was his only reception of the game, as Chris mentioned. Des Bryant is somebody who gives the Ravens stability at the wide receiver position. Ever since he came onto the Ravens, his teammates have been talking about him in a fashion that's, look, he's this leader. He's this guy who came into our locker room and changed it. And I'm not saying the Ravens locker room was bad, and that's not what they're saying either. But they're saying the atmosphere changed because Des Bryant has come into Baltimore and taken it upon himself to be a leader, to teach young guys. And that's that earns you respect in an NFL locker room, not just from the young guys, but from the veterans as well. And when you look at it that way, Des Bryant is somebody who has seen his workload kind of increase a bit, but not in the way that I think a lot of people would like it to. The snaps, to a degree, have been down for him over the last couple weeks. His best game in a Ravens uniform, he had four receptions for 28 yards. I certainly think Des Bryant will be on the field more as the Ravens kind of embark on these last two games and hopefully make it into the playoffs. Miles Boykin has been coming on as of late, though. Devin DuVernay is the one, actually, whose snaps have been hurting recently. He only had four against the Jacksonville Jaguars in Week 15, so... Des Bryant's snaps are kind of coming at the expense of DuVernay. It's really whoever's playing well. I think the Ravens are going to find ways to get Des Bryant into the game. He, he brings a different skill set than I think a lot of the other Ravens receivers do. He knows how to play to his size. He knows how to get open. He knows how to make contested catches. And I think that's a skill set that Baltimore really covets right now, especially going down the stretch and honestly trying to develop Lamar Jackson as a passer. I think Lamar Jackson has benefited from Des Bryant being on the roster from just developing his traits as a passer, I think that's helped. So yes, I think that Des Bryant will start to see more snaps and targets. And leading down the stretch here, I think it's a big time for Bryant to potentially audition. This is his audition for next year. We're going to head into our first break now, but when we return, we'll be diving back into the mailbag, answering more questions. So stay tuned for that. And we'll be right back. The Improved Vilt Bar is even more delicious with six new flavors, including caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Vilt Bars are healthy. They're great for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. So be sure to go to BiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off of your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BiltBar.com. The NFL regular season is finishing up and the playoff picture is becoming clearer. There's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And we return with our second segment of this Locked On Ravens Midweek Edition episode. Your host, Kevin Allstriker, still hanging out with you here. And we just dove into the first part of our mailbag, so let's dive into the second part now. And we'll start off with a question from John Kennedy. And John asks, is Gus Edward the odd man out because of his return value? So, John, we'll start at this season the way it is right now. And the odd man out in the rotation, I'd have to believe at this moment, is Mark Ingram. I just think J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards are playing too well in order to take them off the field for an extended period of time. Justice Hill, as Spencer kind of alluded to yesterday, 
play special teams, and Mark Ingram cannot do that, and Mark Ingram just has not been that good of a football player this year, and I think he's upset about that. I think the Ravens are upset about that, you know? It's been a down year for Mark Ingram, so I think that Edwards and Dobbins are the guys right now, and Ingram, I'm not saying Ingram is completely phased out and he's never going to get a carry for the rest of the season, but Edwards and Dobbins are just playing too well right now to take off the field. Looking ahead to the offseason, the Ravens need to re-sign Gus Edwards. I've been preaching for a long time that the future of the Ravens' backfield should be a combination of J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. They just fit what Baltimore does, and what they're doing right now is successful. They see the success that Dobbins and Edwards are having. Edwards can be a starter on, I think, at least 25 of the 32 NFL teams, at least. And when you look at that, you look at the value you have in Gus Edwards. He has changed his play style a bit. He has improved. He's added more things to his arsenal. I would be hard-pressed to see the Ravens letting him walk if the deal is right. Now, if some team comes out and offers him $50 million over four years, I don't think that the Ravens are going to match that, but I still think that the Ravens can get value, like they got value with Patrick Ricard, like they got value with Chuck Clark, with Tavon Young at the time. That is the type of deal that the Ravens need to strike with Gus Edwards, a deal that's fair for both Edwards and the organization. It's not the Ravens trying to slight Edwards and absolutely rob him, and it's not Edwards and his camp completely handicapping the team. It's a fair and balanced deal that can help the Ravens win, because at the end of the day, I just think that these guys want to win. And Gus Edwards, right now, I think he knows he's in a good situation. So I wouldn't necessarily classify him as the odd man out. Again, I think I'd point to Ingram, who has the $6 million salary next season and who has not been producing nearly at the level he was in 2019. I'm personally not paying Mark Ingram $6 million in 2021. He only has a $1 million dead cap hit. So that means the Ravens would actually save $5 million by cutting Ingram and so the Ravens could bring him back. They could bring Mark Ingram back at, I don't know, a one-year, $2 million deal, that minimum, whatever you have in store there. But I think that I'd prioritize keeping Gus Edwards for the moment right now because he's just playing so well and he fits what the Ravens want to do. Our next question comes from Hugh Kinsey, and he asks, Random question, but thinking back at our draft this year and the production, like Queen and Dobbins, can or should the Ravens get that Florida tight end next year? And that Florida tight end he is referring to is the one, the only Kyle Pitts, the absolute monster out of the University of Florida. Kyle Pitts, he's had a phenomenal, and when I say phenomenal, I mean phenomenal 2020 college football season. I mean, he has just lit the literal world on fire. And honestly, it's kind of hard to put into words the year he's had. 43 receptions for 770 yards and 12 touchdowns. Well, I guess I just put it into words there. But regardless, Pitts is somebody who the Ravens would absolutely love to have. He is somebody who was just a playmaker. He is somebody who, if you put him next to Mark Andrews and Nick Boyle in this offense it automatically becomes the best tight end room in the league. That's just, you know, there's no question about that. And it gives Lamar Jackson weapons. The key for Lamar Jackson, actually the key for the Ravens in the offseason, is to get Lamar Jackson weapons. And no, Kyle Pitts is not a receiver. I would personally love to see the Ravens spend draft capital on Kyle Pitts in the first round and then go a direction of an Allen Robinson or a Kenny Galladay or a Will Fuller, a veteran receiver in the offseason when free agency comes. 
To me, I think the Ravens are just too young at wide receiver right now to justify drafting somebody like a Devonta Smith or somebody like a Jalen Waddle. Now, if Jamar Chase falls to you, I think that's somebody I would take. But I don't know. I just think the Ravens need a sure-handed veteran. And Pitts is somebody who you could still take and have a weapon for Lamar Jackson. He just feels you know, almost in need. The Ravens need a third tight end. And it's honestly arguable to say, well, who would the third tight end be in Baltimore if Pitts was there? Because you arguably have three number ones in Andrews, Pitts, and Boyle. So he's somebody I would love in Baltimore. He is able to go up, make contested catches. He has long speed. He's somebody who is just the ultimate tight end prospect. Now, because of that, it's unlikely that he actually falls to where Baltimore is picking. Right now, at the time of this recording, I believe Baltimore would have the 18th pick. I've seen Kyle Pitts go as high as number 7. I've seen him go at number 8. I've seen him go number 9. I mean, this is a guy who will be highly coveted. It doesn't really matter that he's a tight end. The 2020 class for tight ends was really, really weak last year. Kyle Pitts is worlds, is eons better than any one of those tight ends. And so I would definitely, if Pitts is on the board, I would be hard-pressed not to take him if I was the Baltimore Ravens. We are now going to enter the Eric Clark portion of this podcast that'll carry us through the rest of this second segment and our final third segment because Eric asked a lot of good questions. So we'll start with Eric's first question. His first question is, anything last week give you hope for Greg Roman moving forward or were we just playing a bad defense so bad schemes and concepts didn't matter because we were the better, more talented team? Eric, this is something that I know Cole would love to answer, but I'm going to give it my best shot here. I think Greg Roman, as I kind of mentioned in the first segment, he is trying to be more creative, and that's something that I really, really liked. What I did notice is Baltimore definitely wants to spread the ball out on offense. They are trying to kind of expand Lamar Jackson's range. What I mean by that is the Ravens have been a middle-of-the-field passing football team. The quote-unquote book on Lamar Jackson is take away the middle of the field, and he cannot throw outside the numbers. And we're now starting to see Lamar Jackson target guys outside of the numbers. We saw it on the touchdown to Des Bryant, for example. We saw it on that deep shot to Hollywood Brown. Those are things that I think are really important because it just opens up the Ravens offense in general. And in order to make this offense work, you have to have it as a run offense, that is able to pass the football. The Ravens don't have to throw the football 50 times a game or 70 times a game. We saw how that didn't work against the Titans. That's just not their brand of football. But the Ravens are now starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. They know they have the talent. The offensive line is playing so much better. And I think that the Ravens are just now finding what they are on offense. Earlier in the year, we talked about they were searching for their identity on offense. I think Greg Roman and Lamar Jackson were kind of forcing it is, you know what? We can beat you running, but we can beat you throwing as well. And then they just absolutely abandoned what they were good at. But now we see the Ravens operating and partially it's because of injuries. We see Ronnie Stanley go down. We see Nick Boyle go down. The Ravens only have two tight ends on the roster in Mark Andrews and Eric Tomlinson. So they're operating in less heavy sets. But when they do bring on the heavy sets, Nick Boyle can operate as an offensive lineman. So we're seeing Matt Skura put in as that extra offensive lineman on the right side. Or we're seeing Ben Bredesen at times put in on that side. We're also seeing a lot more pulls, I believe, from the Ravens. I've noticed that they are running a lot more pull concepts, but it's still heavy powers up the middle and, and it's working. You have the running backs to do that. And I think that they just shouldn't get away from it because that's what works best for them. And in terms of were they just playing a bad defense, we saw with the Jets, we saw with the Bengals, this is an every week league and 
quote-unquote bad defenses can stifle good offenses. So the NFL, these guys are in the league for a reason. They are talented professional football players. So going up against a defense that, yes, was one of the worst in the league, but is still an NFL defense, Miles Jack is a pretty dang good linebacker. You have a bunch of guys who you know, are professional football players. So yes, it was a bad defense. I'm not taking away from that fact. But it's still important to realize that even so, there are teams that absolutely stifle good offenses and the Ravens did not fall into that trap. And that for me is a plus. We're going to head into our final break now, but when we return, we'll be answering the rest of our mailbag questions. So stay tuned for that and we'll be right back. And we return with our final segment of this Locked On Ravens Midweek Edition episode. Kevin Ostriker is still here with you. And we're going to now dive into the final part of our mailbag. I guess, again, brought to you by Eric Clark because he is going to round this out with his questions. And so the first thought from Eric here is he says, My theory is that teams can pay five premium players. Kansas City has this. One quarterback, one defender, one offensive lineman, one wide receiver, tight end, running back, and one flex. Right now for 2023, would you say that Lamar Jackson, Marlon Humphrey, Ronnie Stanley, Orlando Brown Jr. are four of those guys, and the fifth is to be determined with Mark Andrews in the lead currently? And he says premium being defined as 15 million plus. Eric, I think this is a good mindset to have. And when you look at the Ravens roster, there will be substantial defensive money coming off of the books in the next few years. Whether you consider Jimmy Smith substantial with a $6 million contract, that's not too much money, but Calais Campbell will be coming off the books. By the time the Ravens are in 2023, Marcus Peters will be up for a new contract. Who knows what they do with him there? There are a bunch of factors that go into that. But at the moment, the Ravens are going to have to make some tough decisions. And we can even look to 2021's offseason, where I don't think the Ravens are going to be bringing back Matthew Judon. I think Tyus Bowser has unfortunately priced himself out of Baltimore. So you're losing talented players regardless of what happens. But the right decision, I believe, is to end up going and saying, well, Lamar Jackson is the franchise, so you pay him $50 million plus. Marlon Humphrey, Ronnie Stanley are already paying them. Orlando Brown Jr. is, I think, a bit of a controversial opinion. People will say, oh, well, you already paid Ronnie Stanley. What's the point of paying two tackles? To have those bookend tackles, especially for a running team like the Ravens, is so important. Orlando Brown has also proven his versatility by playing left tackle really, really dominantly in Ronnie Stanley's absence. I would have no qualms about giving him $15 million plus. So those four are your four out of the five. And Eric says it is to be determined with Mark Andrews currently in the lead. Now, I'm not necessarily certain Mark Andrews does get $15 million per year. He's somebody who certainly is going to demand a hefty contract and definitely up there along the lines of a guy like Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, Zach Ertz. But I think you could potentially escape without giving Mark Andrews $15 million. You could probably see 12, 13. So I think that the Ravens, if they are smart with their money, could potentially go after somebody in free agency to fill the void. Maybe an Allen Robinson. I would love to see that. There is something where the Ravens have to be smart with it, of course. But at the end of the day, the Ravens are going to have guys like Calais Campbell and that big money come off of the books. You're going to have Marcus Peters come off of the books in his contract. So it's where do you want to invest? And I think the Ravens have to invest in weapons for Lamar Jackson. The defense, you can find stud defenders in the draft. We've seen that over the years now with Patrick Queen being a prime example from this year's draft. 
But for Baltimore, you could potentially get Mark Andrews under $15 million. And look, if Mark Andrews does end up demanding $15 million, I'd say his value is so important to the Ravens team, I'd probably pay him that. But at the end of the day, if you can get Mark Andrews in the anywhere from 10 to $13 million range, I'm sure 10 is quite on the low end for him. But if you can pull that off, then the Ravens could potentially have another slot for that premium position. Our next question from Eric is, how encouraged are we that Lamar Jackson hit that throw over the outside shoulder to Hollywood? Yeah, Eric, I was extremely encouraged. Something I kind of touched on in the last segment with one of your questions there is the fact that the Ravens definitely, the book or the quote-unquote book is Take away the middle of the field for Lamar Jackson and you will win the game. He cannot throw outside the numbers. That outside shoulder throw, it was a beauty. And it's something we saw from week two of 2019 where with the game on the line, Lamar Jackson throws that right shoulder pass to Marquise Brown. He comes down with it. I mean, it's just a thing of beauty. That's the type of thing that Lamar Jackson has to get back. That connection was so lethal in 2019 when Marquise Brown had screws in his foot. So the Ravens being able to throw outside the numbers just opens up this offense so much more. It forces guys to abandon the middle of the field on those play action calls where it's a pass for Lamar Jackson. It opens up for guys like Mark Andrews. Maybe if Eric Tomlinson runs around here or there, he can plant in the middle of the field or at least need over the middle of the field. Those are the types of plays you need. And then when you're running play action with the run, it forces linebackers to spread out and respect that outside game, especially if you're running Mark Andrews on the outside or if you're running, let's say, J.K. Dobbins on the outside. It makes it that much more important, and it just spreads the field, which I think a lot of teams, they're relying on defensive backs, and they're saying, well, if we put in bigger defensive back types, we can stop the Ravens' run game, we can force Lamar Jackson to throw outside, and we can force them to pretty much abandon the run game. But again, the way this offense works is to get the run game going, feed play action off of that, and that's how you win the games. And through there, if teams are still living and dying by defending the middle of the field, if Lamar Jackson can hit more of those throws like we saw to Marquise Brown on the outside shoulder, those will be the game-defining plays that help win Baltimore football games. Our final question here from Eric, and I guess we'll end this podcast the way we started it in terms of questions. Besides the Steelers, because they haven't been good lately, who is your preferred first round matchup for the Ravens if they make the playoffs, assuming they replace Miami? And yeah, I mentioned the teams who I would like to play and who I would not like to play in the playoffs. And you say besides the Steelers, so I'm going to have to go with the Titans. And the Titans are a team that I just think aren't as good as their record shows. Certainly, they are a good football team. I cannot shy away from that fact. They will certainly give the Ravens a run for their money. And if they do play, it will be close. But again, the Titans were missing a ton of players in this game. I I won't shy away from that either. But so were the Ravens. They were missing their top two run defenders. And in a game against Derrick Henry, that is a pretty big thing to overcome. And at the time, the Ravens were seemingly struggling to find their identity. It wasn't really working for them. Their offense was struggling. Their defense had begun to kind of lose its screws. So for the Ravens to come in playing good football, to have that momentum of coming in. If you win five in a row, you're in. We did that. Now we're going into Tennessee. That mindset for Baltimore, that is huge. You stop Derrick Henry. You force A.J. Brown to beat you. You force Ryan Tannehill to beat you. And that's how you do it. If you lose by stopping Derrick Henry and letting Ryan Tannehill beat you, that's your game plan. 
But if Derrick Henry runs rampant on you like he did in the last playoff game, I mean, that's something that, you know, you game plan to stop and then all of a sudden you just can't do it. The Titans defense is not good. The way the Ravens offense is playing right now, if they were to meet in January and they continue that momentum, they should be able to put up at least 30 points on the Tennessee Titans. And again, the Ravens had a lead on the Titans and they just, again, it was the perfect storm of the offense not scoring points and the defense just absolutely selling and losing that game for them so when the Ravens would play the Titans if the Ravens were to play the Titans that's the matchup I would want the Ravens would be motivated they can put up points on that Tennessee defense and if they can force the Titans to abandon the run and again force Ryan Tannehill to beat them that is the way the Ravens win that football game and I think that is more than doable for the way the Ravens are playing right now That's all that I have for you today. When we get back here tomorrow, we'll be doing Crossover Thursday with Locked on Giants. So stay tuned for that, and I will see you tomorrow.